Hello and welcome to the Sporting Max Podcast, where we take a snapshot of the current sporting world. Today's episode is made possible by Beckin, Melbourne's leading concrete placement specialist. Here is your host, Max Becker. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Sporting Max. But today we're joined by former NBL player for the Brisbane Bullets, Lee Jecker and Gavin Becker. Welcome. Thanks, Maxie. What's poppin', Maxie boy? Good to be on board, mate. Um, I'm not sure that I will contribute too much to this as I'm not the uh, the former NBL European basketball superstar, but I'll uh, jump on the call and provide some insights into the life of Lee Jecker as it sits today. Um, rock it away, Maxie. What do you got? So, Lee, tell us about how your love for basketball first started out. Yeah, that was probably due to my brother playing. He was six, I was four, and I used to go and watch him play, and then I wanted to play. Um, So I started playing, and, yeah, my first game was, I think, under – I can't remember if it was under sixes or under eights, but I was four years old, and I basically got into it because my older brother Shane was playing before me. Who was your favourite basketball player as a kid? My favourite basketball player as a kid was Michael Jordan. Um, and then as I got a bit older, it, it's a bit of a weird one, but Alan Houston used to play for Detroit and the Knicks. Yep. When did you realise that you could make a career out of basketball? Um, I always wanted to make a career out of it. When did I realise? Probably when I went to Brisbane and then wanted to go to Europe and play. And then once I... During the Brisbane, my time at Brisbane, and then when I did get to Europe and Germany, um, I realised I could make more of a career out of it than just um, going along with the flow and playing for fun. What was it oh, like? Come on, Lee. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's cut in here. Lee, now, I reckon <laughs> you knew that you could make a career out of this. When me and you played one-on-one, you gave me a head start, <laughs> 17-0. <laughs> and then I still beat you 21-20. No, no, it was twenty a 20-point 20 head start, and you did a skyhook fadeaway with a leg kick, wasn't it? It was a skyhook fadeaway <laughs> with a double pump leg kick, and oh. then you knew, well, if I can get that close to G-Bung, I might make a career out of this. That was what, so, that's what I realised. Exactly. That was the moment. Uh, it's surprising that it took me uh, to make my basket against you. Um, and I think you got to about 18 or 19, something like that. And, uh, yeah, I, I luckily got that uh, fadeaway jump shot, double pump, head fake to the left, and then sky hook, bang. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it like playing for the Brisbane Bullets in a high-quality environment with elite players? Um, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was pretty young when I went there, and there was a couple of my idols on the actual team. Um, I was just happy to be be there and be given a chance. So it was awesome, yeah. Um, and um, on that Brisbane life, Lee, what was it like living the elite lifestyle at a, at that tender age of about, I think you're 18, were you, when you went up there, 19? Yeah, I think so, 18, 19. What was um, it like? Were there a lot of temptations for a young man like yourself as an elite athlete? Well, I, wasn't, I, I don't class myself as an elite athlete there. Bung, I know you're blowing some gas, but um, that was good. It was a lot of fun, yeah. 
plenty of uh, nightclub hookups and that kind of thing. You didn't have plenty of drink cards and free entry with the uh, crew. No, nah, you know I stayed away from all that, mate. We didn't get involved. I was focused on the bar. <laughs> 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 oh, um, we've got a question from a listener, and his name is Max. Hey, Lee. What was your best NBL highlight? My NBL career wasn't um, wasn't much, to be honest. So my Best moment would have been scoring my first points. That that was the best moment, and everything that goes along with you know a season and stuff. But my yep. first points are probably what sticks out the most. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what it was like to train with Kevin Freeman, someone who could have easily been in the NBA. Yeah, I think he. Oh, I could have this wrong, but I think he was on the end of a. I don't know if it was um, New Jersey Nets or something like that, and then hurt his knee and. Wasn't able to get there again, I don't think. But, yeah, no, it was awesome. He um, he was a real funny guy off the court as well. But on the court was the first guy I played with with that type of strength and athleticism. So it was um, a lot of times during training sessions, training had just stopped because of something crazy that he just did. So it was, it was yeah. fun, just, fun just watching him, yeah. What was it like to be playing in the NBL at such a high level of play and intensity? Um, yeah, it was good. I, like I said, my I, I didn't play a lot, but when I did, it was fun. And for me, it was just, I was just happy to be there. It was like a kid in a candy store. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It was just I always wanted to play, and then I got the chance. So it was it was awesome. What was your coach Joey right like in your um, time at the Bullets? Did he give you any sprays? And what main points of basketball did he focus on? Yeah, he gave me a lot of sprays. He gave everyone a lot of sprays. That's that. That was his style. He was an awesome coach. He uh, was very tough but fair. Um, he focused on defense and hustle and just being harder and tougher than the the opposition. So that's that's what he focused on, and it, it's worked up until this point in his career. He's always got the tough teams that nobody wants to play against. What was he like, Leroy, from training? I remember you used to say he was crazy with how he trained you guys. What was a normal week like for you guys? Um, we, yeah, well, it just depended on – I hadn't had many – I mean, I'd been coached by Cecil Exum and a bunch of other coaches, but he was the first guy who was really hard-nosed that I came across before I went to Europe. So that's why it was a bit of an eye-opener. But he was just um, – yeah, like – for example, I think we had a game on Saturday and we were training Friday. So we'd have a morning shoot-around and then we'd go do weights um, and then we'd come back and train. But on the before the games, we'd train a little bit earlier. So we'd train, I can't remember the times, it's a long time ago now, but we'd train around 11 or 10 a.m., something like that. Um, and we trained for about two hours and 45 minutes of full-blown intensity because there was only one speed or one type of intensity when Joey was coaching, that was give it 150%. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know some of the plays were, um, you know, he gets frustrating and he, he tempers flare, but at the end of the day, he made us all better players. Yeah. Where did you go for your end-of-season trip with the Bullets? How was it? Uh, end-of-season trip, the, we're lucky enough to have a very wealthy owner, Eddie Groves. He... 
um, pretty much shouted all players and staff to Vegas. And we, had, we had a week in Vegas, so yeah, you had the, all the hotels and all the shows booked, and it was it was pretty eye-opening going to Vegas. I think that was my first yeah my first time going to America. Um, I, I, I wasn't 21, but I, I I might have taken my brother's ID to get me into a few places with the rest okay. of the team. So it was a lot of fun. Did you have to share a room with anyone or any of your teammates in Vegas? Yes, I did. I think in Vegas I was with Stephen Black, if I remember correctly, because it was – I think we had different roommates from during the season. So it might have changed because people – not everyone um, – left at the same time some people had to leave earlier so we changed roommates but i think i had Stephen black for for the most of it yeah how did you get to playing in germany tell us how that happened so i played for brisbane then i came back in the off season played for the werribee devils and i played with a guy called blair smith um who unfortunately recently passed away um but he had an agent and he was from france and I wanted to travel and play um, a bit of both over in Europe. And he just connected me with his agent and he basically yeah. got, got me a gig in Germany. Yeah. We've got another question from a listener, Michaela. And then your cup games, like a soccer setup, basically. Yeah. Um, dur- during the week, you have your cup games. So um, you wanted to go as far as you could in the cup obviously because that broke up the week and gave you an extra half a day off but otherwise you're training twice a day so yeah. there's a lot of, in Australia it's only one on court session a day mostly obviously you got to go and do your extra work yourself and shooting and stuff but um yeah it was more demanding in Europe yeah what who was your favorite team that you played for in Europe and why um oh favorite team would have been oh it's probably I can't narrow it to one probably two teams Team Cookshaven and Würzburg. Um, both team. I spent four years in Cookshaven and one one year in Würzburg. Um, they were my favourites because we had successful, really successful seasons. Those two two seasons and um, the, the guys on the team. It was a it was one of those teams where you get lucky and you you, you connect with with you know three four guys yeah. and you you. you, you you gain some lifelong friends out of it too. So that's that were the two teams. Yeah. Tell us about your awards in Germany. I didn't win many awards, but I won a couple. I won one in um, in I think it was two thousand ten with Cookshaven. I won. I think it was what type up, of awards? I runner up MVP in two thousand ten with Cookshaven and an All Star five. Um, and then um, the year after that, I won the MVP of the league and All-Star 5, I think, as well. Yeah. What was the biggest crowd that you've played in front of in your career? Biggest crowd was, um, I think, about 13,000. Oh, that was in Germany uh, when I played for Würzburg in Munich. Um, but I think I did play in front of, um, potentially bigger crowds in China, but I, I was, um, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember what the actual numbers of the attendances were there. Yeah. What was the coolest thing that you've done in your basketball travels? Oh, coolest thing. Um, 
One of the coolest experiences was playing for a team in Portugal. We played, I played for Lusitania. They are um, situated pretty much in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, so halfway between America and Portugal. And we had to fly to our games on the mainland. So on the mainland, um, we'd stay in Lisbon for two to three weeks every time we had a, like four or five road games in a row. So it wasn't like we had to fly back to the island every, for every game. Yeah. Um, we, we stayed on a in a really nice hotel on a beach in Lisbon that was pretty much like a really paradise type holiday destination. So it was um yeah it was, hard, it was actually hard to stay motivated. Oh, not hard to stay motivated, but yeah. it, was, it was really um it was like a holiday while you're working. Yeah, I heard that you used to have a hookup at a seafood restaurant in Germany. I did have a hookup at the, uh, the uh, seafood restaurant. Uh, for the team I played for in Yena. Um, I reckon Gab might be able to give you a bit of insight. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting into that seafood restaurant. We would walk in, they would roll out the red carpet because the superstar basketball was here. And they weren't talking about you, they were talking about me. You know, <laughs> I was in town. They would get the seats ready, would sit down, order whatever we wanted, and it was the best fresh seafood I'd ever ate and then even better when you went to pay they didn't want your money well you actually never even offered to pay it was just walk straight out it was the deal <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they set you up over there though you get a you get a restaurant or two and, and you can go have lunch and dinner for free um and that's your you're sort of the team sponsor but um when Gab was coming I uh because you, you become friends with the chefs after a while and um I worded him up that I had a mate coming from Australia so I think Gab got the um, the special treatment with some, you know, extra, extra a lot of extras on his plate. So he loved it. <laughs> and then the best part afterwards, would walk out of there. It was near Christmas, and would go to the Christmas market and in the sort of the centre square there, and would get a Nutella crepe, and it was the best. Yeah, every day we did that. It was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> um, another question from a listener, Alex. Hi, Lee. My question is, what was your biggest basketball achievement? Greatest basketball achievement? Probably in Cookshaven and Würzburg, we um, we were able to – it's like a soccer system. Like I mentioned earlier, you can get um, relegated and stuff like that. So we were able to move up um, in two separate seasons, one with Cookshaven, one with – um, Würzburg and I was the captain yep. of those teams. So, yeah, that, that was um, one of my um, good greatest achievements for myself personally and the team. Yeah. I heard that you have become – that you have a mate who is a scout for the Boston Celtics. How do you guys – how did you guys become friends? Yeah, that's Bennis. So, Bennis, he um, – he, I think my second year – so, my first year was in Cookshaven. and he was playing college basketball – in Arkansas, and he came back to Cookshaven because that's where he was from, and his dad was our coach in Cookshaven. So my second year in Cookshaven, he played. Um, it would have been 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. potentially. And, um, yeah, we just clicked. So we were really close and have been ever since. Um, and he, um, his story really, um, in a nutshell, is he was um, a really good player, but injuries, he had some pelvis pelvic injuries that, he never, and to this day, hasn't got to the bottom of. 
Yeah. Um, so it forced him out of playing and into coaching um, a lot quicker than would have normally happened. And it ended up being a blessing for his coaching career because he, he went from Cookshaven to Russia where he went to CSK Moscow. And then he uh, got offered the contract with the Boston Celtics and he's been there for yeah, several years now. So, yeah. Yep. Who was the best player that you think you have played with in your career? Um, apart from Gavin Becker, oh, did we actually play together? School basketball? No, nah. mate, I still couldn't even make the school basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think you could have, but you probably didn't want to. Um, yeah. But uh, probably, oh, um, well, if you're looking at just the biggest name, it'd be Andrew Bogut. I played nationals with him in under 18s or 20s. I yeah. Can't remember. Um, and then I played a few practice games with Melbourne Tigers um, against the New Zealand national team and Andrew Gay oh, with Andrew Gay's Arne Copeland, and all those yep. guys. Um, so, yeah, those, those guys. <laughs> Another question from a listener, Riley. I was just wondering if he had any meanings behind the numbers you wore in basketball. I was 11. I was lucky enough to make the Vic footy team. And one of the coaches sat me down for some reason this sticks out in my head um and he said the i don't know why he said it but he said lee i want you to wear number 11 it's the number that i wore and yeah ever since then i've always wanted to wear number 11. when i went to germany um in cookshaven there was the little local hero uh, who played for that team wore number 11 so i i didn't um want to ask for that number and take it off him so I wore number seven, and seven, uh, I was a big fan of Dougie Hawkins growing up, so I liked number seven, and that's the one I used for most of my career in Europe. Yep. Final question for today. What would be your advice for any young aspiring basketball players here in Australia? Uh, my advice would be, um, apart from all the usual things like work hard, you know, listen to your coaches, respect your coaches, you know, help your teammates, um, I think the best advice I could give would be to um, work on your weaknesses. So it's probably a bit of uh, you got to play, you got to be honest with yourself, and rather than fear your weaknesses or shy away from them, face them front on. And um, if you can identify what they are, work on them and get your coaches yep. to work on them with you. If you if you're trying to get through and hide your weaknesses which i think a lot nearly nearly all players try and do i think it um well if, if you are able to work on your weaknesses and make more of a complete player yeah um sorry Lee, we've got another two questions i've yep. seen your youtube video in 2011 what was with the long hair and headband was that for the <laughs> ladies in germany no that was because i just i didn't get a haircut for a couple of years so i um i uh yeah, you get bored. You get bored doing the same, or you know, going to training twice a day and, and come up with ways to entertain yourself. But I just didn't cut my hair and got to the point where I had to keep it out my eyes, so I wore a headband. So yeah, I wasn't. Um, I've never been really into <laughs> fashion, like Gav. Uh, he's, he's always been the fashion, the fashion man. But I, I now was just probably laziness. Didn't cut my hair and then had to wear a headband to get keep it out my eyes. <laughs> Is it true that you told girls in Germany that you were a surfer from down under, but you have only ever used the bodyboard? <laughs> 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 no, I 
I can surf long boards because they're a bit easier, and I've, I've been up on a shortboard a little bit. But um, no, I didn't tell the girls that. I think Gaz is <laughs> uh, trying to trying to make this uh, into a funny one. But no, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't tell the girls that. Well, the rumour has it that that was why you had the long hair and the headband. You're all the big surfer guy from down under. Um, and then when the truth was found out that he was actually on the esky lid, just popping around some little waves in Ocean Grove, it was all it was all coming unstuck. Oh, no, nothing came unstuck. But you, 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 coming from Australia, people just think that you got kangaroos jumping down the street and you surf and all this. So, yeah, thanks, Gav. Nice one. <laughs> well, thank what you, boys. What well, on that, Leroy? What was the main thing? Like, what was the perception like on Australians over in Germany? Like, what did you find the funniest? Like, were there a lot of things like that that was just perceived? That's what you did. What were some of the funniest stories? Uh, not funny. Most people, when they talk to you from Germany, um, they 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 just think that. Every one of them says, "Oh, I want to go to Australia," and it's 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 a paradise. They just they think it's like this, pl- the best place in the world. So, um, it, it, being that young when I was over there, it sort of made me realise that home is, you know, it's bloody it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they got, um, you know, in the, in the winter months over there, it gets it gets dark at three four o'clock, um, and you got cloudy skies and snow everywhere for half the year and. It, it can be a bit, you know, um, not to say Melbourne's got the best weather, but if you're comparing it to places like that, it, it, it is like a type of paradise, you could say. So that's, that was one of the most um, common things I heard was that they want to come to Australia or they're planning a trip to Australia or is it is it as good as what everyone says? Blah, blah, blah. Yep. So, yeah. Well, thank you, boys, for being part of the Sporting Max podcast. No worries, um, Max. Ple- pleasure, mate. I hope it all goes well and um, good luck with it. You're doing a great thing. Cool. Stay tuned later on for some more podcasts. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. Be sure to like this episode and follow us on SoundCloud. This episode was brought to you by Beckon, Melbourne's leading concrete placement specialist. 